Hi guys, Ryan here. Before we release this episode, just wanted to let you know that in between the recording and release of the episode, Out of Contracts joined a podcast network. It's called the Kaleidoscope Media Network. We are one of four podcasts on the network right now. One of the other podcasts is called That's Not How Science Works. It's a kind of science-based look at pop culture. Another one is Here's Johnny. That is a podcast about horror media. And then the last one is Wizard Studies. That is a podcast that does a deep dive on Harry Potter topics. So all those podcasts are cool. You should check them out if you're interested in any of those things. We'll probably be appearing on those podcasts periodically, and they'll make some appearances on Out of Contracts. And I think it'll be a really good thing for uh, the show. So thank you very much, and enjoy the show. So you watched the Picard trailer. Yeah. The Picard trailer, for for those listening, I mean the one that came out in um, in October. Yes. Yeah, I assume there's is that the the only like full trailer that there's been. I know there was the teaser one. Yeah, I think that's the only one, the full one so far. Okay. This is probably the last time that talk about it will be relevant because I think this is going to come out probably right before or right around the show coming. The show itself is. Yeah. Are Mm -hmm. we going to include that in our canon or? So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that'll that'll be it'll be added to the the ongoing pile once it once it's in. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. We can also you. This is our first episode since we have the uh, our official coded Excel sheet, right? Yes. Uh, Although I guess we uh, won't be picking like generating episodes for a while. Yeah, my wife Kim very graciously uh, made an a Excel spreadsheet where I, all I have to do is type in a number, and then that will tell you what episode of Star Trek to watch, which is a lot better than the kind of scattershot possibly incorrectly mathed way i was doing it before yeah it did sound like there was a lot of math and i was glad i was not the one doing it <laughs> so what do you think of the trailer i i kind of go back and forth on it so this is a question i had is this is it a i guess i just know so little about it is this like a like a mini series type thing or is it going to be like a full like television series or i think it's going to be a, like a 10 episode miniseries unless okay. i don't know maybe it'll do really well and he'll agree to come back but i think he kind of it took a little bit of coaxing to get him to come back for this okay yeah and that was kind of i guess the impression i got just because it seems like the sort of thing that has a sort of like contained story like there's a specific thing that they're trying to do or accomplish that i'm not clear what it is but it's you know what i mean and it's and less of a we're going out and exploring the universe, and we'll see what happens this week. Yeah, it very much seems like one of those, like, you know, your your Terminator's Dark Fate or your yeah. A Good Days to Die Hards, where, <laughs> you know, y- years later, you, the uh, the star of your of your franchise kind of, or, or the, whatever that new Rambo movie is called, where oh, your yeah. aging star returns to for one last mission or what have you except yeah. for that like the difference being that pa- patrick stewart was not like a a young buff action <laughs> star when he when he was first on tv but. yeah i always wonder how old he was i mean i guess this isn't a hard thing for me to just find out if i wanted to but how old he was during next generation because he definitely is like patrick stewart just kind of always looks like an older balding distinguished man but, yeah. but he does definitely have a lot more like youthfulness than in his later stuff because he is someone that's continued to do things. Is it just the Patrick Stewartness of it all, or did you get like Logan vibes from the Picard trailer? Uh, I guess I didn't really get that 
other other than yeah i mean like he i did think to myself like he looks like he lives in logan because he is he is starting to after years of just kind of looking the same he is starting yeah. to look older than however old that he was you know from the period yeah. of like the late 80s through like the early 2010s you know yeah but i don't know if there's some, just something with the like because it's this whole guy and later on in his life from his glory days and he's protecting this young girl or something along yeah. those lines but yeah, overall, I my main thing like I'm totally here for Grumpy Riker. I'm here for any any Riker. <laughs> yeah, he seemed I, I really liked that character, and I don't know how much he's gonna be on the show or if that was just a like, hey, look, see, we got Riker for this one scene. Mm-hmm. I keep going back and forth on how I feel about uh, like Vigilante Seven of Nine. I mean, she definitely looks very cool, and she was always a character I really liked. But I feel like it's a definitely a different direction to take her. You know, she's, in Voyager at least, she was always much more of the, like, it's about her finding herself and dealing with kind of her past, and now she's just kind of, it looks like, turned into standard action hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about Fat Data, though. I don't know if I can, and I I guess it, it seems like it's just in, like, a dream sequence or something, but... Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, then there's Marina Sirtis is in it, and you, we really don't see anything of her at all in the trailer. And the, yeah, I heard, she's just kind of. I've heard that Hugh is in it too. I, I don't remember whether he's oh, really? in the trailer or not. Interesting. But yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I I just I think like when I finish TNG, which is going to happen pretty soon, I don't know that I'll say that I loved the show as a whole, but I really did enjoy those characters, and so like the mm-hmm. idea that like those characters get to come back in some form like all these years later and we get to spend more time with them and then we get to see what they've aged into i think that's very exciting like i would love it if if everybody i, I would love it if you saw like every everyone get lavar burton and yeah michael Jordan and yeah you could, i'm yeah. sure uh, uh will wheaton would yeah he's the one well, yeah he's the one who would most likely to do it and also the one that i would be least excited, least to, see, excited but, to see he does cool know. stuff now though uh, I don't know. If we need to get. I don't know. I feel like this, if if, if I start the, talking uh, about Will Eaton thoughts, that's going to take up the podcast. Yeah. Fair enough. I was a little bit off on that one. Hi, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard, and I'm Brady Jungle. And uh, this is a show where we put, as we were saying earlier in the cold open, we, we put a number into a random number generator and we watch the Star Trek episode that that number corresponds to. And this week uh, we did the Voyager episode. Uh, save me. I forgot I forgot to call up the... Oh, it is uh, season three, episode 22, and it's called Real Life. Yes, Real Life. And this is... Uh, I think kind of an interesting episode just because I we, we, were, we were texting about it before we started recording and you had kind of referred to it as another parenting episode. And I kind of found it not necessarily to be as much about that as kind of a weird cousin to the the uh, Fairhaven episode that we did, like the second to last uh, Voyager hmm. episode that we recorded. But uh, I can get into that as we as we go along. So uh, why don't you kind of take us in, talk a little bit about how the episode went. Yeah, so the uh, the Memory Alpha little one-liner for this one is, the, the Doctor learns a few real-life lessons with the holographic family he created. 
Voyager investigates massive subspace distortions, um, which I feel like could just be the half of the tagline for most Voyager episodes. Yeah. It's like, and meanwhile, there is some anomaly in space. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Meanwhile, we feel obligated to. Well, it's it's interesting. These shows seem like they all have some kind of contractual obligation that like they have to get in everyone who's on the show into into an episode. Now, that's not always yeah. that's not always the case. I think in this one there might be as well. I'm, like I don't know is is Tuvok in this one at all or Chakotay? Oh, he's not. Yeah, Ch- Ch- Chakotay is. Chakotay is like, on the bridge. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, I think, no, Tubak is in it. He's on the bridge, too, yeah. Okay. And it's, it kind of seems like sometimes for Voyager, it's there, they say to themselves, well, we want to do this weird episode about someone's personal life, usually involving the holodeck. But that only, we only need, like, three people for that. So what are the rest of the people, on the, what are the rest of the main cast going to be doing so we can make sure we see at least, like, one scene of them? Right. Oh, I know. Uh, they're just, there's just something weird in space. <laughs> and they're going <laughs> yeah. to look at it for a while. For a while, Yeah. Or, like, something in the mess hall with Neelix. Like, Neelix makes somebody some food, and they all kind of sit there and talk about whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that kind of happened with uh, in Fairhaven, with where Tuvok just sort of got shoehorned into that one scene of just like, by the way, Tuvok's feeling kind of sick today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, this, this episode is uh, written by... Jerry Taylor and Harry Doc Clure. Jerry Taylor, by the way, I think when we talked about this last time about her influence, she is one of the co-creators of Voyager. So we we, we should have probably mentioned that when we were yes. talking about how many writing credits she has. And then it was um, directed by Anson Williams. So the episode opens up, sort of the cold open opens with this uh, Brady Bunch family living in what looks like a Bond villain base to me. I don't know, for some reason, the architecture of, of the house just really looked like kind of what they imagined the future would look like in the 50s. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's kind of kind of like Art, Art Deco, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, uh, it's sort of this happy family, and it turns out that this is the, the doctor's family, um, that he's kind of created this holographic program, and it's this smiling, happy wife and two children who are both very smart and good at school, and everyone's very nice to each other and tells the doctor how great he is and then he goes off to work in the in the uh, sick bay in voyager i was uh, at, at this point i i was it took it took a while for me to realize that he wasn't just doing like a 50s cosplay because i think like at some point someone says that like they we got a new blend of coffee from like some weird planet and i was like oh, okay this must still be like the future because it, it does like i think i i, I thought i thought to myself like oh is this still what like houses look like like on earth like we don't really see like what people on earth like how like what their homes look like at you know at this stage yeah that's the true future, so yeah, apparently this is this is what they what they look like, and the people look like the the fifties. Well, it's very it's separate wives, very like extremely patriarchal. Um, yes, yeah this this may be a theme of of this episode, but yeah, a weird a weird like bias for the doc for like a hologram man to have, but yeah, although and although I guess you kind of wonder like if his only frame of reference is you know kind of where did he get this idea of what a family is like maybe the only books that voyager has in its online library are episodes of the stepford wives or something i don't know because he you know he this is all stuff that he would have never really experienced firsthand and so 
for whatever reason, this is kind of what he pieces together as what he thinks a family should look like. Yeah, but I think, though, I, I, doesn't he say that the reason why he did this is because he was talking to other people on the ship about their families? And then they kind of, ex- or Balana kind of ex- explicitly says later, hey, this is what, this is not what families are like. So it is kind of the strange thing of if he's picking up his information on families from people who have real families why is this the family that he that he makes i have a lot of uh, i take a lot of issue with the <laughs> the family dynamic stuff in this yeah I mean, obviously you're supposed to to a certain degree but i think even beyond I that so i have too. some kind of strange yeah i do too I, a couple of them at least i think will will come up as as we go on but yeah so then we get back to the ship and they sort of introduce the again the let's look at something in space plot that is going on at the same time, which I I don't know, I could not follow or find the interest to follow really much at all. Like there's this, there's a storm uh, that they don't call it, but there's, there's this anomaly that's basically, again, kind of like the Fairhaven where it's basically a space storm that's moving through space and they decide to chase it. And I feel bad because of the two of us, I'm the one who like studied science and I, I could not muster up any interest for... I mean... This seems like not science, though. Fair. <laughs> so okay, so it's. I think they keep on referring to them as astral eddies, and so they're basically just weird, like almost like dust storm explosions that keep on happening, and they keep on saying they come from subspace. And yes, what is what does that mean? <laughs> like, what is what is subspace? I mean, we've talked about it before, but I always thought that like subspace what they would they would talk about like subspace speed like they would like almost like it was for some reason i used to just, i i've been associating subspace with like going on impulse power or something but apparently that's not i'm i'm wrong about that but i like if, has it been established either in real life or on the show what subspace is i i don't know i don't know if it's one of those things that because yeah it's not something i'm super familiar with but i feel like it's one of those terms that they throw around it's apparently just something having to do with like space time and this so the at least according to memory alpha and i don't know if this is something that theoretically exists in real science as well it looks like it may be just a star trek thing but it's based it's a integral part of the universe distinct yet coexistent with normal space and its respective space-time continuum so it's just basically like almost like another like like the in like you know a lot of rpgs you have like uh the material plane and like the astral plane and the ethereal plane and stuff so this is yeah it seems like it's kind of a thing like that or like it's the subspace plane sure (laughs) um yeah or like that i think is how things like wormholes or that work as each will sort of pass into subspace and then back out in a different time and place then you know it's kind of a different fabric parallel to that of space time i don't know if space time theory is a real is a real thing someone please do please do email us because uh i i feel i would feel stupid if um if this is like a real thing we're just like well it seems made up like yeah i don't know what's it it does seem made up i will say that (laughs) yeah but it's it's it's, so it's coming out of subspace and there's like these dust storms and they're they're coming from subspace and so for some reason janeway gets very 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 enthusiastic about the idea of like trying to figure out why it's happening, and I don't really. Yeah, I, I made a note here that another common theme in Voyager is that they're actually really bad at trying to get back to Earth as quickly as possible because they do seem to do a lot of oh look something went that way we should go off and follow it and figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they they get very easily sidetracked, 
and I think the excuse they use is that this thing has is giving off plasma or is, has like this charge to it that they they think that if they they can sort of capture energy from one of these things that that will help be able to like power the ship and save resources. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Also, I, I you know the first time that that happens that the the the, the, the dust shockwave comes out, Chakotay does say, "I'm not afraid to say it. I've never seen anything like that before." Which I don't know why you would be afraid to say that, but uh, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, Chakotay definitely is one in this episode that just kind of occasionally feels like he has to remind us that he's here. I'm one of the lead actors. I need to have lines. Yeah. At one point, he gets to drive the ship, I think. But yeah, so that's that all is going on, and that is kind of this ongoing thing through the episode. That they're chasing this thing, they send out Tom Paris in a shuttle, and then he disappears. He gets... Does he get sucked into subspace? Is that what happens? He goes into subspace. Okay. Yeah. And then they have to try to kind of when another one of these eddies comes up, he comes back out and they have to rescue him and beam him aboard before his shuttle is destroyed by the the storm. And it's the kind of... And they do. And they do. They do science and... And And when when he's in subspace, he just kind of sees some shiny lights. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, but it, and then I think at the end they're like, and he was able to capture some plasma or whatever, so they they succeeded in whatever they were trying to do. So that's going on. But meanwhile, the the real story is what's going on with with the doctor and his family, and and he so he's explaining to mostly to Bolana Torres, I think, that because he's trying to better understand people, and they all you know they have have this these family relationships that they refer to that he wants to be able to empathize with, he's made himself a family out as a sort of a holodeck program. And he invites Bilana Torres to come to dinner with him and his family. Mm-hmm. And she gets really, really mad about how perfect and annoying they are. Like, I don't know, almost to the, it seemed like she was kind of overreacting with how angry she got about it like i get that they were being kind of insufferable and annoying but she like i don't know i maybe i i agree i think she was i i, I was kind of i said that to kim because kim watched this episode with me and i i said why is she why is she so mad about this and kim said well i think i'd be pretty annoyed by those people too if i had to go eat dinner with them which is true but i i still don't think that i would just get up and call them all lollipops and then and then yeah it just out. seemed like the the wrong reaction Instead of just, like, annoyance and then later be like, hey, you should know that this isn't what a family is really like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That kind of seemed a little off to me. Uh, so then she basically kind of off camera says, if you want to see what families are really like, I will tell you some things that you can kind of put into the to the program that kind of will create, like, conflict and, like, randomness, you know, so cause, because it's, like, basically yeah. he had kind of specified everything exactly how I wanted it to go, which is not really how your family life works. Even, even if, you know, even if you choose, you know, if you, if you choose a spouse, say, and you choose her for all these or her, her, him or whoever, for all these different reasons, that doesn't mean that you're always going to feel compatible to that person. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was an interesting approach with, because when he's describing kind of how they change the program to, to better, you know, to, to introduce more than just this kind of like, perfect prescribed family they just introduce a randomized behavior algorithm and he says that like 
events will just unfold as a progression of probabilities. And mm-hmm. it just seemed kind of like an odd way to simulate human behavior to to just essentially attach it to a random generator of like like I get that you're trying to make an unpredictable human but it's just you know I feel like if you were trying to really consistently or simulate a uh, kind of replicate that you'd want specific traits and then those to play out instead of just it, they make it sound like it's just will randomly make them do bizarre things kind of as with no reason to it I don't know I don't know if that makes sense no, I know what you mean. It, it, you you think that like there should be it should be random, but kind of like following probabilities based on like each individual's personality, like personal traits, of, instead of just yeah, kind of generating behavior randomly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that may be what they were trying to say, and I'm just interpreting it wrong. Yeah, so he goes back into the program. Yeah, and the 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 very first kind of wrench they throw into making his family less quote-unquote perfect is that now his wife has a job <laughs> i i didn't think about that but you're right yeah she... <laughs> but it's kind of the very first thing is like he comes home and she's like oh good you're here i have to go off to to give my lecture and it's your turn to make dinner and he was like he's like what what has happened to my world yeah i, I didn't even think about that that's a good point yeah yeah, she has a job, and then his daughter has a comparatively small problem, which is that she can't find uh, what, like, some kind of—is it like a flute or some some kind of instrument? I, I, th- I thought it was a—it was like a bat for her. Oh, for Parisi squares. For Parisi yeah. squares, yeah, yeah. Parisi squares. We we've not talked about that on the show before, but that's a that is a future sport. Yeah, it's a future sport that is, again is kind of this weird thing because it it seems if I remember right, it's it's usually portrayed as being something that happens like on the holodeck. Mm-hmm. but also is pretty consistently portrayed as like something where you're in real danger of sustaining serious injury. I mean, if you're playing VR sports for these days, you could potentially get very injured. On I, I, <laughs> I guess you could, if you don't have a clear space around you. Or, yeah. But, but yeah, <laughs> but, but anyways, yeah. So she plays Parisi squares and is real worried about being able to find her hammer. And then his son is, in by far the best thing that happens in the episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. His son is hanging out with a couple of Klingons, basically. Well, th- th- I guess that part, I don't know that I would say that's the best part. I think just specifically when there's this really weird oh, like, kind of like atonal, like... It's like loud banging clanging, music. ...clanging music that's playing throughout this whole scene. And then at one point, he, at one point like his son comes kind of downstairs and... And the doctor says, and he and he's kind of his hair is all messed up, and he's kind of wearing these weird kind of rag rag clothes. I mean, I don't know. Weird is a is a relative term when it comes to like the clothes that kids wear in Star Trek. But yeah, it's it, it is sometimes tough to di- weird in a different way than it was before. <laughs> and then the, the doctor says, "What is that music?" And then he says, "Klingon," and then walks back upstairs. And I just I don't know, just the idea that like. A human would rebel by listening to Klingon music is really funny, and just the idea that, like, of course, this like weird, kind of annoying sounding music is the music that Klingons l- love to listen to. Like, uh, that was all really, really funny to me. That kind of little mini scene within a scene. I thought that was a yeah by far my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. So his son is very much going through this like rebelliousness and hangs out with like these two Klingon kids come to. To visit him and like go up into his room and meanwhile the doc while the doctor's trying to you know kind of help his his daughter because she's getting really upset about not being able to find her her hammer 
So then he decides to try to deal with this by... So his first his first uh, strategy to, to fix all of this that he's sure is going to work is to call this family meeting and give everyone a list of what they need to change about themselves to essentially go back to being a perfect family for him. And he, th- I think he's, well, he basically says, like I'm paraphrasing, but he says, like as the father, I'm in charge. Yeah, and this is kind of a... And again, I... Th- think not what the episode was trying to be about but does become this recurring thing that during this episode is that it is very patriarchal and he kind of has that idea of like well I'm the father of the family I have to fix all of these things and make all the decisions and you know and I I don't know how much of that you can say like well yes it is his you know because it's it's a holodeck program and it's his story it is going to be about him, but in a family dynamic standpoint, it, it does kind of come off as very, I guess, old-fashioned, maybe the right word. I don't know. Well, it's a, it's very weird because the show knows the, what it's doing because the his wife in the program basically does say, like, hey, you need to talk to me about this, too. Like, I, I should be a co-decision maker in something like this. You can't just, like, tell us what to do. But but then that kind of begs the question of why does he even think it's an okay way to act anyway? Because he's in the future, you know. Presumably, like this is something that no one is really dealing with anymore. When when, you know, if you're in Starfleet anyway, that it's it's just weird that like this this computer, the you know this advanced hologram has just kind of decided that you know that he's he's just like kind of going like honeymooner style, like in terms of like how you know the 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 gender relationship in this in this. hologram that he has it's it's a it's a strange choice yeah i agree this is also around the time that i i kind of thought to myself oh he's just this is the sims like he's just playing the sims <laughs> yeah and that and i think you know whenever he will go back to voyager and talk to people about that that's something that they the people try to tell him is that you he's trying to sort of treat this family as though there's like these problems that can be solved or these kind of goals that he can he can just sort of adjust these sliders or tweak these things and make everything how he thinks it should be right mm-hmm. can i can i ask you a question yeah did you like this episode uh not a lot no yeah i thought it, it, and so i think it, it was one that kind of when it got i think got better by the end i think once it sort of took the emotional turn like I could see what they were trying to do with it, and like I got a little bit of it. I don't know. And again, I we may disagree on this, but to me, it seemed like it was trying to tell a similar story to the Offspring, the Next Generation episode where Data makes a daughter and sort of exp- you know be- you have this someone who is outside of humanity and that is trying to understand it better, having to go through this emotional journey of what it's like to to have a family mm-hmm. and i think the offspring landed and like executed that much better than this episode did i think this episode was trying to go for a lot of the same feelings and just didn't didn't land as well for me in that regard hmm. i that's that's interesting because the what i kind of was kept on comparing it to is Fairhaven, the famous delete the wife episode, because to me, this is kind of, it it was kind of like a much less refined version of like the idea of you can't, 
make people be what you want to be like 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 that basically like like having a real having real relationships with people you know means that like they're going to behave in ways that you don't always prefer but that that's part of like what being in a real relationship is is, is you know if you actually have like complete dominance over someone like you're not really ha- you're not in really in a real relationship yeah um and so it's only after kind of accepting like the kind of the the chaos and the strife that goes along with having a family and goes along with having relationships that he kind of has an actual, you know, kind of actualizes. But I think though, the, the thing to me, I think the reason why like this, I think in comparison to either of those episodes doesn't really hold up compared to either of them is that the, the stakes in this are so weird and, I think that the the show wants them to be a lot more meaningful than certainly than I found them because because it's just a holographic program. Or? Well, well, you're right, and it's like and it's like oh, so sure, sure, so is he. But at the same time, like you know, compared to the offspring, what's you know, th- this is this is like an actual real tangible being that then also dies. You know, talking about Lal, yeah. but then even compare it to Fairhaven, where the whole kind of conflict of the episode is the idea that this guy is not a real person and that she doesn't have to see him anymore and that she can make all these alterations to him and even the doctor who himself is a holog- is a hologram says to Janeway like oh who cares if you if you you know do this this is just kind of what you want to do and you and you think about i think the thing that really bothered me is that the doctor is treating all this like it's really real and it really matters and that these people are just important as important to his life as like all the real people on the ship and then you go watch uh fairhaven or you go watch even like several other hologram episodes because our holodeck episodes because voyager has to have the most holodeck episodes of any of the shows right either that or we've just kind of run into at, at least that we've seen yeah yeah unusually high samples i mean i but, know like the next generation i feel like had did it quite a bit but yeah there, again at least with our sample size we've hit a lot of hologram episodes in voyager yeah it, but you you know you look at like what is do you remember what the doctor is doing in the fairy heaven episode he's like a priest right yeah in the he's, town he's, he's just kind of playing to and, be a priest like yeah he's yeah. he's clearly having a good time being like haha i'm a priest this is so funny and so i'm just watching this episode and thinking to myself how is this different like why is he decided like oh this is actually real and important to me but then later on when i'm in this fake irish town i can be like haha it's you know it's it's all a goof yeah seamus killed somebody okay say some hail marys yeah and this is this is it's the stakes to me should be the same yeah i agree that i because so i guess to kind of wrap up the story the the emotional part of the episode comes when again in this sort of holographic hologram holodeck story that the doctor's living with his family his daughter gets injured during a game of Parisi squares and they try to save her and and she's going to die and like she wakes up and he has to tell her that she's going to die he has to tell his wife that she's going to die and it's this very it like it's very hard for him emotionally and so he stops the program and says that he's never going to go back into it again and and yeah i agree that that once that happens sort of the the thing it forces you to ask is well why can't he just like again either not go into the story anymore or because it's a holodeck just change the story so that his daughter doesn't die you know why why does why is there so much emotion wrapped into these holodeck 
characters that in other episodes, again, holodeck characters are kind of just portrayed as, you know, like video, video game, game. They're NPCs. Char- yeah. NPCs, yeah. Um, I, I, even the other people on the ship treat, treat this as different because he talks to Tom Paris at one point because he kind of snaps at Tom Paris because he, he realizes that uh, him getting sad about his his daughter's uh, risky behavior has also made him kind of more averse to other people's risky behavior, including Tom Paris, who kind of was just recently out in subspace. And even Tom Paris says, like, you have to go back in there, you know, because otherwise, you know, you know, it's important. You, you have to be with people even when, you know, it doesn't make you feel good or comfortable. And it's like, yeah, I agree with that if they were real people, but they just aren't. Like, like it just doesn't – it doesn't really square with most how how usually that kind of thing is portrayed in the show so it really kind of rang yeah and i think what they were trying to have tom paris say is that like if the doctor is really doing this as a sort of a thing to experience to learn how to better deal with people and be more human-like then he should follow it through and kind of experience the hard part of it but yeah i agree it just didn't didn't kind of have the weight or the stakes that I think they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. It, it it didn't make talking about it at them as NPCs made me think of. Um, did you ever watch Red versus Blue? The uh, the Halo thing. The Halo thing, yeah. No, I never did. So the the um, like people that made it, they did some other sort of animated or uh, like kind of short videos, and they did one where it's this guy that like dies and goes to you know, the kind of uh, very literary, like, St. Peter Pearly Gates type thing where he, like, goes through the list and decides whether you go to heaven or not. And he's like, oh, no, you're definitely going to hell. You know, you, in your life, killed 30,000 Goombas and, like, hundreds of thousands of zombies and all of yeah. these, like, people that you killed in video games. Like, it yeah. turns out. And he's like, no, those were just video game characters. And this little, like, Goomba walks by and is like, that's racist. And <laughs> it's... I'm not doing it justice, but kind of some of those conversations about like holograph people make me think of of that. Yeah. So yeah. Then so he he does decide to go back in. Yes, and he goes back in, and um, the his daughter dies, and his wife and son come in, and they kind of comfort each other and hug each other. And I think that is that how it ends. I forget how that episode closes. Is it just with them sort of holding each other? Yeah, so it's. I think. I think. I think. I think that. Like. I think it actually is. Is there not like a thing back on the? Br- I feel like think of Star Trek as usually having this thing back on the bridge. But yeah, I guess. And again, and meanwhile, they save Tom Paris and um, get some plasma or whatever. So I have a. I have a question. Maybe we should make this a regular thing after our Omega Glory discussion. Maybe we can call it Brady's Medical Corner. Okay. So when you're suffering from several brain hemorrhages, as this uh, girl is, yeah, do you usually get to like wake up and have like this lucid two minutes of like clear-headed conversation with your loved ones before you then die? <laughs> that seemed so, uh... it was yeah. So that was a very weird. I was trying when he was like trying to describe the medicalness. I was trying to understand it as well as I could. And again, to be fair, I'm not a neurologist or neurosurgeon, so I don't. Sure. I don't know as much about this, but he kept going back between talking about hemorrhages and blood clots, which are in fact opposite things. Like mm-hmm. a hemorrhage is like bleeding into the brain, and a clot is if there's like a stoppage, right? A stoppage like- of blood that's where, where it's supposed to be going. Yeah, um, and they kind of were talking about both, and like I haven't heard of this thing where they like will go in and I, again I kind of tried to chalk it up to well because they have different 
ways of operating on these things in the future. But yeah, there there is sort of a thing with certain um, like head trauma and and uh, intracranial hemorrhages that that is a lucid interval, depending on what kind of hemorrhage it is, where people will be totally out of it and then kind of seem like they're getting better and wake up for a while and then very suddenly crash. But it's it is less of a it's it's it it, not, it doesn't really present like that where they're like sleeping and then they wake up and be like am i going to die and you're like yes you are going to die and they're like oh no and then just kind of quietly go back to sleep and then pass away mm-hmm. um like it's more of a they actually kind of seem like they're getting better and then what happens is the the swelling within the brain kind of from the initial injury you know the the there's sort of the reactive inflammation and swelling and then the brain swells to a point where it just doesn't fit in the skull anymore and that damages it even more and then mm. they'll kind of very rapidly decompensate but okay um so there i think that's there's sort of that kind of thing but it's it was very very much a like hollywood hospital death yeah so when you were mentioning the goomba saying that's racist that i that reminded me of the other weird thing about this episode that i wanted to talk about which is just kind of the ongoing how does the show feel about klingons like the yeah. and also like this this episode i felt like there was almost this kind of like uncomfortable association uh of klingons with kind of like stereotypical like urban black youths uh kind of did, i mean did you feel yeah get i i, I definitely like, get get that that in the sense that the whole you know the whole story that the doctor kind of plays out is a very it's just a very like lifetime movie type family drama type thing that's pretty stereotypical and i think that that's what they're going for is the like your kids running with a bad crowd and it's but yeah he's you know he's he's listening to a different kind of music yeah. and he is uh you know hanging out with like these kind of these these friends that are kind of dumb and have like different cultural values than him and then at one point like they are going to initiate him into into like being a klingon like a, a honorable klingon warrior by like giving him a knife that he's going to use to like hurt somebody which again kind of seemed like a gang initiation thing yeah and it's and it's like and then and then the and then the doctor like gives his son this little speech about oh you know you shouldn't do this this is wrong and it's 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 one of those things where it's like a this does seem like kind of weirdly like analogous like you said to like a lifetime movie thing where like the wrong crowd is like a different race and it's like this is like uncomfortable but and then even if you even if you discount that even if you give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not doing that it is this other thing of the show so often like wants you to believe that klingon that like you know all races have like valid cultural beliefs and we have to respect those things but also the klingons are stupid and barbaric and (laughs) uh, yeah depending on the the episode or the series yeah so justice for justice for Klingons. I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, right. Yeah. And it, I think they, they kind of, when they, when he's arguing with the son about that, I think his son, and I don't know how much validity they're trying to give to it. His son is trying to make that point of that, you know, it's a different culture. They're different from your culture, but that doesn't make them good or bad. And that's when the doctor says a, a line that I made a note of that I thought was a very interesting is he says, I'm your father. And that means I expect you to be guided by my ethical standards. And, again, I thought that was something that they kind of touched on in this episode, but wasn't as much what it was about as it could have been, I guess, but that he sort of takes that uh, approach or opinion that his 
feelings of what he thinks should be ethical or right and wrong. You know, what what things are clearly right and wrong and what things are his own cultural kind of bias that he's bringing to it and to what degree is he allowed to force that on the rest of his family. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, like the thing that he was talking about is that they given him a knife to go hurt somebody, which is... That's true. Which, which is which is wrong. Like that's a wrong that's a wrong thing to do. Yeah. And so you know it is. But the, then the that kind of raises the question of like, if that's a regular part of Klingon culture, is that wrong in Klingon culture? You know, if it's sort of an expected thing that happens with all Klingons, does that mean every time a I, I don't know that, and that's. I guess it depends on who he decides to stab with a knife. To stab with a knife, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just a weird, a weird little like subplot in this that yeah. kind of. Like, and it does yeah. kind of bring up something that I think we've talked about before. Of sometimes it's hard to tell with Star Trek if their depictions of certain races are racist towards or like stereotypical of human races or just stereotypical of those races and then kind of there are like the parallel are the parallels be that are, that are being drawn to human races that similar stereotypes are made about yeah val- you know, intentionally or not it's a weird way to say that but because that's the thing that they always say like you know ferengi are greedy and sneaky and like is that because they're a sort of a trying to be the Star Wars or the Star Trek equivalent of a specific race of humans that yeah are they, are they an anti-Semitic trope or is it just kind of like a yeah a Ferengi trope right it is a, yeah kind of it's almost similar to some of the Star Wars Episode One stuff right where it is like some some of that stuff is like clearly over the line and some of that stuff is like I really don't know that this is what he was intending at all to do but you know it's still kind of fishy you know yeah. <laughs> But uh, that where where is that line? I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't really have a lot else to say about this episode. It wasn't my favorite, but it was certainly yeah. a strange episode to watch. Uh-huh. I don't know. Anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to make sure we we got to? I don't think so. I think that kind of went over went over all of it. Uh, all right. Well, that being the case, then I think that we'll we'll be good for this this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, contracts that's c o n t r e k s, or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail dot com, or you can go to our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com and you know feel free to get us from any podcast uh, app or you know rate and review us if you if you feel like doing so. That'd be great. We'd appreciate it. In two weeks, we will be back with our next episode. The, the, the new episode, the next episode we're watching is going to be Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Season 2, Episode 19, which is called Blood Oath. So we'll be back in two weeks for that, and uh, we'll see you then. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>